Live Sound Bootcamp, brought to you by Rational Acoustics, developer of Smart, the industry's leading sound system measurement and optimization platform. Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp, where we teach you stuff about stuff and things and things and things, and I clearly did not think through this intro very well. Hmm. Um, I'm your host, Ryan John, with my beautiful co-hosts, Brandon Draper and Joe Santarpia. They seem surprised that I said beautiful. Beautiful. As, as what describes them. You, yeah. don't, you don't think so? I haven't showered today. I'm, I'm not feeling beautiful. Yeah, but I but, can't smell you from here, uh, but I can hear your beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. That's a good and thing. And see your beautiful me. complexion. I can't even see the odor through Zoom. You, you can't. I'm Which surprised, you've got to be fine. you got to be yeah. all right. If I can't see it, it's got to smell great. There's no green, like, little lines Yeah, I mean, that's how it is me. in cartoons, right? That's got to yeah. be real life. Yeah. Well. So, you know, at the end of our last episode, base. We kind of ended with, you don't need to listen to the rest of the episodes. Um, that's not true. You should probably listen to the vocal episode. But all the other ones, they don't fucking matter. Yeah, it breeze right through them. So right now, we're digging into an episode that does not matter. Right. And today, we're going to talk about guitars. We're going to talk about electric guitars more specifically. And, you know, uh, we ended that episode talking about that because it's like the idea that, you know, you get your foundation and your important stuff put together is like that that's really important but then some of the other elements are kind of the things that i wouldn't necessarily say fill space but kind of like accompany the foundation and the lead elements right does that sound about right yeah yeah without without discrediting you know uh guitar our guitar players out there and our keyboard players out there but uh, it's it's more of just like from a mix perspective. That's what I was going to do, yeah. Right. The mix perspective, yeah. And it's also so subjective, right? That, like that, what a good guitar tone is, is so subjective. But there are a right. few things that are not subjective. And I think that's what we're going to try and dig into. Right, right. It comes it comes with like, the, you know, just the the theory of song arrangement and stuff like that. We're getting into the melody of the, of the song now. So So at this point, it's all kind of like, it's like preference. It's like what the song dictates. You know, um, so, yeah. So it's a little bit almost easier. I don't know. Or simpler yeah, in certain well, ways. It's simpler in certain ways, but at the same time, exactly the opposite. It's so it's more compl- complicated. <laughs> it's even more complicated. Exactly, exactly. So basically, this episode is going to teach you nothing, nothing. important and yeah. nothing useful because we're both, we're all so confused. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to like veer more, you know, not more, not as much toward the technical aspects of it and kind of get into the heady you know, philosophical. And like some of the it. functional solutions we've found for mm-hmm. the problems that we've kind of encountered, right? Exactly. All right. So, so we're going to start with the same question we've kind of started with in, in every episode here, right? So if you're, if you're digging into electric guitar, the question becomes, what are you looking for? Like, what's your goal? Yeah. And obviously the goal with like, you know, a, a, a jazz production or a pop production where the album's all like electronic sounds versus like a metal band where it's like shreddy solos, mm-hmm. the goals are quite different, right? Right. So, you know, you need to come into the, the topic and, and the mix knowing what you want this instrument to be doing before you start, you know, tweaking knobs or even before you pick what mics you're using or if you have the privilege of it, you know, choosing amps. Damn, they let you choose amps? I, I've, I've done that once before. Yeah, there was one tour. It was a metal Whoa. band where we went into a rehearsal space and I think we brought like eight, maybe nine different amp heads and like four different cabs. 
and we literally just like went through them and swapped them out and swapped them out and swapped them out. We're like, this is the perfect lead tone. This combo is the perfect rhythm tone. Wow. Okay, I guess we're bringing both. And it was Dang. like two separate half stacks and they were both double mic'd. And like for like the rhythm sections, it would be one pair you'd be hearing. And for the lead sections, you'd be hearing the other pair. It was, it was, it was cool. It was geeky. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Well, it, it helps that I'm a guitar player. Right. And it's like very easy for me to communicate well with guitar players, you know, because I, I, I get it, I guess. Yeah, you speak their language, huh? Hey, yeah. man. Hey, Shreddy Shred. Hey, what's what up, kind of, Shred, man? What kind of axe are you yeah, bringing to the show? Yeah. What kind of Marshall stacks that, man? Yeah. <laughs> what kind? Is that, a, is that a Paul, bro? Is that a Les Paul? <laughs> you, you can't Sorry. even say that. You can't even say, is that a Paul? Because that's two <laughs> answers. It's either a Les Paul or a PRS, man. Oh, shit. Right. Yeah, see? you clearly not a guitar player over there, Joe. I mean, there's a, there's a Stratocaster behind me. <laughs> Just because it's on your wall doesn't mean... <laughs> it looks really nice up there. It looks very nice up there. Um... So, okay, let, let, let's <laughs> get back on topic. Right. All right, so what are you looking for? Um, I don't know. You know, what are some of the common things you find yourself looking for? Brendan, throw it at me. Uh, I feel like I'm usually looking for, like, fullness, but not harsh. Yeah. I think not that harsh. Is sense. Like, I think that's pretty common, not, right? Not, not harsh is probably top of the Can list. Can we all agree that mitigating harshness is a big part of mixing guitars especially high gain electrics for sure right. are you yeah. sure i mean yeah. shit a fender twin with a with yeah. like a no, no, with no, like fair. a tel you know it's got that like super piercing bell like tone yeah 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 no no fair enough yeah mitigating harshness is is i think yeah it's a lot of making guitars sound good yeah mm -hmm. um hey. yeah go ahead oh, i was gonna say just yeah that's the competition right yeah between the guitar and everything else in the mix is that harshness up there? Yeah. And, so, yeah. and how often are you walking up on stage and listening to what it sounds like to the player and then trying to go for that versus, you know, going, I need to find something that fits into everything? I mean, it definitely is uh, illuminating, you know, it's because it's, it's always different. You put, you put a mic in front of something and it's going to sound almost nothing like, you know, what the what guitar the player... Is. With a guitar player, yeah. With, or, and with the guitar player, I mean, maybe if you stuck your head right next to it. Um, yeah, definitely don't do that, though. <laughs> do not do that. No. I'm saying do not do that while nodding, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> fun. Um, um, I, I feel like there's a balance, right? Because, like, you know, you want to, of course, you know, capture the tone that this guitar player has crafted, right? You know, yep. the, mm -hmm. the, the, a player spent time picking the instrument they're playing. They spent time picking the amp they're, they're playing through. They spent time picking the cab they're playing through. And for some reason, they like the shit that's coming out of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> some reason, so, God only knows why. God only knows. Uh, you know, so, so given that, um, you know, there is massive value in walking up on stage, hearing what it sounds like, and just kind of taking note of that. And what that sounds like doesn't necessarily mean that's what you need to make it sound like in the house. Because unless it's like, you know, a guitar player solo show, that guitar needs to fit in with a bunch of other stuff. And guitar, especially, you know, higher gain, is really wide band with signal. It's, it covers all the frequencies. Yeah. And as noise. a result, you end up with stuff that just you just need to make space for, you know? Yeah, it's mm. a wall, literally. Yeah. 
So it gets even more complicated if, if you've got, I don't know, one guitar player and you need it to sound wide and big. And then you got, I don't know, two guitar players and you need to sound wide and big. It's even messier when you got three guitar players and you need Oof. to make it sound, you know, wide and big. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have, have you guys dealt with three players much? Uh, yeah, actually. King, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. That is an awesome band name. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. It's, it's like one of the guys on stage, the King Gizzard, is one of the other Con- guys, the Lizard Wizard? Well, uh, one, one guy is sort of the King Gizzard, I think. Yeah. And then the rest of the band is the Lizard Wizard? Maybe they're, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think they all, they all make, it's like tri- um, Power Rangers, where they all kind of like morph together. Into <laughs> when our powers combine. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, my God. Um, what, what are they what are they doing with the three guitars you know like what's the general like is it they switch off like playing rhythm lead whatever or like yeah yeah to, there's yeah it's some of the song i mean their 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 catalog's pretty pretty dynamic but um yeah there's a lot of just yeah it's just a lot it's cool <laughs> i don't know so, have you, have you've heard them before like i don't know yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think i have but you know there's there is an artist that i work with pretty regularly that has three guitar players right yeah and for the most part, it kind of works as a function of like, maybe one of them's playing rhythm and maybe two of them are harmonizing lead or two of them are playing rhythm to be like kind of big sounding and one of them's playing a lead. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there are any real moments where all three of them are playing the same stuff ever. Cause that to me would just be a waste of a third guitar player, right? Right. Um, so, you know, given that you gotta find a way to make it so that not only are these things, you know, big and chunky or whatever, they're not sitting on top of each other. And then on top of that, they can't be sitting on top of the other instrumentation. That band also has like a keys player. It's also got, you know, four vocals and, you know, drums, bass. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Panning is your friend. In panning is like your that, friend. Like. So, so, so let's talk about panning. Let's actually start in like a, a weirder place than we've started with other, in other episodes. So yeah. one guitar player. Does one guitar player mean one mic for you guys? One one guitar player is the scenario where I would almost, you know, always go for maybe double. Because mm-hmm. then you can pan two, you know, and you can kind of... You, you're not trying to uh, make space. You're trying to fill space maybe at that point. I, mm-hmm. In general terms, you know. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. Brandon, well, you, I, mean, I mean, you're kind of doing both, right? You're you're making space for other things by panning the two mics to the sides, right? But you're also filling the space because, right, you're like getting it out of both sides of the PA with like a different tonality. Well, here's the other thing, right? Like, Like if you had one mic on one guitar player and you just put it up the center, then that means both sides of your audience hear it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you want to kind of like just make it a little bit more creatively interesting, you might pan it a little bit off center, right? But then you kind of get this balance issue where one side of an audience hears it differently than the other side of the audience. Exactly. And that's when you get into the scenarios like Joe's describing, right? Where you throw up two mics and you have one of them going to one side, one of them going to the other side. And maybe you do EQ them a little differently. So it actually feels like it's a little bit weighted to the left side or weighted mm-hmm. to the right side or whatever. But you know that all of your audience is hearing it. And this exactly. obviously matters more the bigger the stage is, right? If you've got 100 feet between the left and right side of the PA, you can't really get away with panning a guitar hard left and yeah. not having it in the right side as well because then, like, you know, half the crowd doesn't hear that guitar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have a really, just really weird zone mix over there, you know? Right, and then, but 
and the opposite uh, side of things, if you got a small club and you got a guitar amp on stage and then like maybe it's, you know, on house left, right? And it's loud. Uh, I don't really need to put that guitar in the house left PA. Yeah. I can maybe just put it only in the house right PA. And maybe there I will get away with just one mic and just stick it over to the right side and kind of like fill it out a little bit, you know? Totally, totally. So when you're doing two mics on a guitar cabinet, what's the goal? Why not just take one mic and send it to both sides? If you, you have... That's, it's a dumb question, I know. Oh. <laughs> but, but go. Smarty pants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know, you don't want it to compete too much with the center panned things that are important, like the vocal or the snare drum, you know? Um, it's It sounds almost like counterintuitive like oh well you're just taking the same thing you know it same thing and putting it in the speakers individually rather put it than putting you know one instance of it in both you know it's like well no so, yeah so tell me what's the difference though between using one mic that's that's i don't know duplicated in channels to both sides versus using two mics like what are you actually getting there well there's like a, a time and a tonality difference right so like you know it gives you the feeling of width if you're panning those to the sides. Yeah. So yeah. You, yeah. I mean, if you're standing in the center and you're hearing two different, that's the whole thing with stereo, stereoizing things. It's like the difference between the speakers, right? Not the similarities. Totally. So, it's, it's the difference between the two that creates the width, right? So if you mm -hmm. take a single mic and, and pan, you know, put it on two channels, pan it to the left and to the right, you have the same thing in both sides. So your brain will just sum it as if it's like one thing in the middle, right? Exactly. In fact, that's the same as if you took a mono signal and put, you know, the, the pan knob in the center and turned it up, yep. you have the same signal going to both sides. Right. But when you take two different microphones, pan one left, pan right, uh, pan one right, it's the difference between those microphones. And they may be minute, right? But the, that difference is what makes your brain hear it as wider or stereo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the more difference you can make between those two mics the more width you tend to get. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you use two of the same mic, two 57s, it's not going to sound that wide. If you use, I don't know, a 57 and like a ribbon mic, like a 121, and pan those out, it's going to sound wider. Mm -hmm. If you took, uh, you know, uh, a, a 57 and a ribbon mic and put one on the top left corner cabinet, uh, or top left corner speaker in the cabinet, and then the other one on the bottom right corner speaker in the cabinet, that might sound even more wide because it's two different speakers. You put it on two different amps, it gets even wider, you know? <laughs> you put a delay on one of them, very slight, and it gets even wider. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, and right, that's like kind of the, tr if you were just using one mic and you wanted to kind of get away with this stereo -ish. That'd be a way to cheat it, yeah. Like Cheating to like a little bit. it. A know? little e tiny delay on the... Little tiny delay, EQ it a little different, maybe even mm -hmm. compress it a little bit different. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, no. All, all of these things are like ways to try and get something to sound wide by making the two versions of the signal a little bit unique from one another. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Right. And getting them out of the way of the vocal. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I guess, I guess we kind of dove like <laughs> at first right into like some of the more complicated stuff. But, you know, let, let's use this loud amp scenario i feel like this is really common mm -hmm. right yeah when when you're starting out even when you're like on you know super pro level stuff uh in fact sometimes when you're on super pro level stuff it's a much harder conversation to have because maybe eddie van halen doesn't want to turn down his amp yeah no one tells him to turn <laughs> down his amp. so you know how do you address super loud amps on stage 
Oof. Yeah. I mean, if like apart from uh, crying a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do, are we assuming that we have input on the any input? You know, outside let's, of let's. Well, what, what, how about this? What about a band you've never met before? You're meeting them for the first time, and you've got brutally loud amps on stage. How would you approach that? I, you know, I like to think that I know how to talk to people, and there's a gentle conversation of like, hey, you know, it would be helpful for me if the amps were a little bit quieter. You know, it might it might make the mix come together a little better. Um, if they're on smaller amps, you know, we've probably talked a little bit about this in prior episodes probably but, you know if if the amps on the floor pointed at their feet uh, uh you know they're not going to keep blasting know, right by them right into the face of the front row and those guys are just bleeding from their eyes exactly tilt it back or elevate it you know on a case or something like that get it closer to their head so that you know they're not going to want it to be that loud if it's pointed directly at the dome you know what i mean um <laughs> it's it, you get just you can get yourself in trouble there too because then it's assuming it's the you know assuming a singer is playing guitar it's gonna be pointed right at their vocal mic potentially right. but um but yeah something to consider you know elevate the amps you know put them on a stand something like in, that in terms of the conversation in, though i feel like we should just say don't be afraid of trying to have it with someone you don't know right like definitely yeah go f like go for asking them don't be like super <laughs> no matter how like crazy fucked up loud they're playing it don't like go into it like hot you know like don't aggressively right, right. i would say go into it with like just yeah. like the openness that like if they did if they act aggressively about like not wanting to turn it down or like that's the wrong thing to do then you need to be yeah, okay with you, it you, yeah yeah you know i'll say that there's a lot of people who have been burned by sound people right they've they've done gigs and they've been terrible yeah um and many of them just 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 don't trust the sound engineer anymore right so at that point they go my amp is going to be what the crowd's going to hear right so yeah. they want to kind of turn it up to a spot where it seems like it fits in seems like it captures the tone they want and you know you could you could fight with them about it but you're not going to make that relationship better the next time they go to another gig they're going to be like well that was another shitty sound guy at the last mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. and you know you just make it worse right so if you can find a way to approach that conversation in a way that is super constructive of we want to have the best show together you know me helping you have the best show totally we can yeah. do i'm on your team you know? we're on the same team we're all yeah. trying to like have an awesome event where where the whole audience loves this thing right mm -hmm. and you know that's a win for both of us it's a win for the band obviously but it's also a win for us like because we get fulfilled when a show sounds amazing right mm -hmm. so you know find the way to approach it in a way where where you know it is we're on the same team we're trying to do this together you know if your amp is very loud and and it's pointed into the house i'm no longer going to be able to tell what's happening in the pa because that amp might be pointed right at my face and I, yeah. I just can't, I can't tell what's going on anymore. Yeah. So, you know, as you know, you said, Joe, you know, being able to kick it back a bit. So it's pointed up a little bit or elevated or something like that. Another thing I've done a bunch of times is just turn it. So it's pointing across the stage instead mm -hmm. of straight into the house. And that also helps the front row audience. They don't want to be deafened by your amp. They want to have a good show. They want to be close to the musicians and all that, but they still want to hear the show. And if they got an amp point at their face, they're not hearing the show anymore. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, there's a lot of ways you can kind of move things around. If you, even if you got a player who doesn't want to turn it down or anything like that, you can just kind of change the angle or like, you know, point it across the stage or whatever, that kind of stuff really, really helps. And the more you can get it, uh, you know, under control from an audience perspective and, and even from like a mixer perspective, um, then the more you are able to put into the PA, right? Totally, totally. And that's what it comes down to, you know? I, I want to put this thing in the PA. I want it to be cohesive with everything else and be coming from the same source so it sounds like a mix rather than a fucking loud-ass amp karaokeing over, you know, some semblance of a mix in a PA system, you know? Right. Yeah. So, Yeah, I mean, ideally, you know, a, a fair argument is the PA in this space was designed to cover the entire audience. Your amp is not. Right. Your amp shoots right in front of it like a little laser beam. It's like a flashlight. I think we talked about that in some other episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so if I can't put it in the PA, then only the, 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 the shit that's in front of that flashlight gets to hear it. Nobody yeah. else does. Yeah. But if I can put it in the PA, it goes everywhere, you know? Yeah. So, you know, worthy conversation to have. Mm-hmm. So totally. Uh, totally. Let's talk about capturing it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 cool. Oh, mics, Mike. fun, fun. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. we're at the fun part. Now yeah, we're at the cool. fun part. Okay, no, more, no more shitty conversation. Right. So, you know, what are our options? We got, we got quite a few, actually, because I feel like almost every mic that can exist on stage kind of can work in front of a guitar amp, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. I mean, I don't know. You don't see too many Beta 52s in front of a, you know, guitar cab, but <laughs> I don't know, just about everything else. I don't know, 57s, 421s, any, anything Heil, pretty much you could play. Put in front of a guitar and it'll be sick. Yeah, ribbons, ribbons condensers, ribbons, condensers, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you have any favorites? It. Do you have any favorites, Joe? I like the PR forty again. The Bayer two hundred one. I've talked a lot about both those mics. Um, oh, you know what's really cool? Uh, there's this EV. I gotta look it up. There are is these it like the egg. The uh, the six thirty five. The six thirty five is no, great. I never remember. I never remember the EV <laughs> numbers. They're just oh, like to me, they're they're gibberish. Well, anyway, it's the 635 is one. It's Omni, though, so it's it can get you in a little bit of trouble on stage. But any of those, like, old EV mics that, like, um, have a lot of top-end filtered out, mm-hmm. um, I find that a dark mic, you know, will work really nice mm-hmm. on a super bright, you know, twin or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that's a cool one. I, I, I got I to gotta find the model. I'll, I'll, I'll look around. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, go for go it. Go ahead, Brendan. Go uh, ahead. I, I, I'm going to ask a question to you guys, but like, if you have something to like dovetail off what Joe just said, then go for that. Oh, I, I was just going to say that um, typically if a source is bright, I want a dark mic on it. Yeah. And if a source is dark, I want a brighter mic on it. And you kind of yeah. end up with a more balanced general tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what were you going to say there, Brendan? I was going to say like, you know how we talked about on bass using the DI plus the mic. Mm-hmm. Why? I, I'm just like, why is that not a thing with guitar? Like, why don't you see people using DIs with guitars? So it does happen, right? You, you, can, you can use them. Um, I've done it. But often on a guitar, so much of the tone comes from the amplifier and comes from the speakers and all that. Whereas on bass, it's very often a little bit less of that. So the DI sound is kind of close to what you're getting out of an amp. Makes sense. Whereas, you know, in, in guitar world, there's a, the, the whole preamp section of a guitar amp is kind of what tailors the That's tone, right? And it could, it could be the whole gain stage for where all your distortion comes from. It could be, you know, any of those things. So totally, I think in the guitar world, it doesn't tend to happen, at least not with a DI that's like in line before the amp. 
right. there are DI solutions that exist after the AMP, things like the Palmer PDIs and stuff like that, that are effectively like a DI that is post amp, but it's kind of got like a bit of a cab simulator EQ inside of it. That's supposed to sound like something like a 57 on a cab or something like that. Right. Cool. So there are ways to get DI guitar tones that are like, you know, post amp and they're pretty cool. Uh, you yes. can do crazy processing with anything that's DI. You can like compress the heck out of it. You can do all sorts of stuff cause there's no bleed. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's cool. But, um, so yeah, mic wise, you know, I, I do believe that a dark mic on a bright source generally is helpful. A bright mic on a dark source is generally helpful. But um, also with guitars, I find that the mic positioning makes a huge, huge difference. Totally, totally. So Brendan, are there any particular like notes you would tell somebody if they were trying to figure out how to mic a guitar cab? I, I mean, I would say like, exper- especially if you're like doing gigs where you're just doing all different bands like every night experiment with where you're putting the mics because i was like we were saying like harshness is the a battle like a lot of the time and a lot of times you've got a mic like maybe you just have a 57 that's like the only thing you got uh you're dealing with like a top end boost in that mic plus like a harsh guitar amp what do you do i mean you want to mic it uh so i've been finding myself actually over time, I was like, oh, the best spot, the most direct spot is like between like, you know, where the cone meets the the round part in the middle. The dust cap. The dust cap. Yeah. And like it is, I mean, I think in my opinion, it's like very direct sounding and, and like aggressive sounding there. But when I'm dealing with harshness and I'm dealing with a limited mic case, sometimes I like go off axis a bit and I point it more towards the edge of the cone or to the side of the cone. And that actually has been helping me a lot, like lately, you know? Yeah, I find that generally, if you are miking pretty central on the cone, like in the middle of it, you know, the bullseye, if you will, mm-hmm. it's pretty bright. Super bright. And the farther you go to the outside edge, the darker it gets, right? Yeah. And part of that is the tonality of the speaker, but also part of that's proximity effect. Because as you get to the outer edge, you're actually closer to the speaker because the speaker, you know, it's, it's this right. little cone that kind of goes inwards. Yeah. Um, I never thought of that. Yeah. Kind of neat. Right. Yeah. And it's cool because if you go to the outside edge of a speaker, you can get a heap of low end, like from proximity effect. And that's cool. But at the same time, realistically, the tone of a guitar is mid range, right? That's where the actual notes live. So you can, you can go to that outside edge and get like a lot of meat and all that but it's probably going to be kind of unclear. You won't necessarily be able to like clearly get the notes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, like the nuance of the playing, but then, you know, if you go dead center, it might be too bright. It tends to be too bright. So that balance is like pretty, pretty good to be aware of brighter center, darker outside edge. And then also there's the factor of how close are you to this cabinet, yeah. right? As you move farther away, the tone changes, but then also as you move farther away, you get more bleed from other stuff on stage. So I feel like in general, people tend to have the, the, the guitar amp mics pretty much touching the grills, right? Yeah. I mean, that's usually what right? I see. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you ever do it different? Do you guys ever do it differently? Like pull it farther away? In the studio maybe, but you know. I, I have, but you know, realistically not more than, you know, an inch or two, or I think at most maybe three inches away, because once you're that far away and you know, mind you, I'm also in a spot where hopefully my guitar amp is not insane low, insanely loud, right? You right. know, we've already kind of like had this volume conversation. We've kind of like brought it down. 
now if I start moving farther away from it, I'm, you know, picking up more bleed off the stage, right? So in addition to mic position, you've got mic types, right? You've got dynamics, condensers, ribbons. Dynamics tend to be, you know, pretty mid-range heavy and, you know, they're, they're, they're very direct sounding, right? You can take that SPL too. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dynamics can also take the SPL. I mean, that's a good point to make, right? You know, any mic you're going to stick right in front of a guitar cab. You know, some of those guitar cabs will hit 130 dB when, when you've got a player yeah. pinning that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really important to put a mic in front of it that can handle yeah. that level. Yeah. Yeah. So condensers tend to be a little bit brighter, right? They kind of capture a little bit more of the brightness, nuance and all that. Ribbons tend to be a little bit darker, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you've got a bright amp, bright player, try and go for one of the darker mics. It'll probably help you out. Um, if you've got a totally. dark amp, oh. try and go for a brighter one. Go ahead. EVRE11. That was the one. RE11. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Super dark. You know, um, it's great. Great for guitar. Very cool. So yeah. what about double micing? When you double mic, do you have any, any um, you know, kind of, I don't know, specific ones you tend to lean to? Uh, not specifically for double miking, but just like you were saying before, like just different mics, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and then panning them out. And do you typically do different mic. types, like dynamic and condenser, or uh, no? I, I I I like it. I like dynamics on guitars live. You know, it's just the most straightforward, like kind of like pure thing. You know, you're not. I love the way a ribbon sounds, but I, I you just you don't have to deal with any of the bullshit associated with the figure eight stuff. You know. Yeah, that that is a good point. Ribbons are pretty much exclusively figure eight, so it's yeah. going to pick a bunch of the amp, but it's yeah. also going to pick a bunch of shit right behind it. Exactly, and same thing with the condenser, just the sensitivity of it, and like you know the fragility of them, you know, being pro- you know down by a guy's feet or you know like playing guitar. It's just yeah, I don't want to deal with it. Just dynamic, straightforward. Let's do it. Double mic. <laughs> so. Um, you remember they made a bunch of microphones that were like dual element inside one thing. They were mostly for kick drums, right? Like Audio Technica made this. They made the right. um, AE2500 and the uh-huh. ATM250. And inside it, it had a dynamic and a condenser element, like in one casing. Yeah. And they were perfectly aligned with one another. And it's pretty my cool. understanding is that they were intended for kick drums so that you didn't use a 91 and an outside mic. And, you know, you could kind of get both those sounds. Mm-hmm. I never liked it on a kick drum but they were the best guitar mics Ooh. I've ever used. Really? Because you had a condenser that could kind of have that like crisp, clear, you know, string attack and top end. Yeah. And you had a dynamic that had kind of the meat. So I guess this kind of goes back to things I do all the time where I try to do like EQ on faders rather than, um, you know, through um, the actual you know, automating actual EQs. Yeah. So I would take like an AE2500 put it right on a cab, uh, you know, in, a, in about that spot that, you know, Brendan had laid out earlier, like, you know, the edge of the dust cap, right? And then take the dynamic element, run it into a channel, a little bit of high pass, a little bit of low pass, take the condenser element, a little bit of high pass, a little bit of low, low pass, and use the dynamic as kind of the meatier sound of the guitar, use the condenser as like kind of the brighter, crisper sound of the guitar. Mm-hmm. And then I have my guitar tone on two faders. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. And then I broke the weird cable that comes with it because it's like one cable that splits into two cables. And then I was like, ah. Yeah, yeah, there goes that one. So much but, for not getting too technical. But, but you know, <laughs> speaking of getting technical, though, one thing you do want to be aware of if you're using multiple mics on a speaker is the alignment between the two, right? right? right. 
especially if you're taking two mics and panning them to like the same side or keeping them both center. Mm -hmm. If one of the mics is even marginally closer to the speaker than the other, the time you know issue there of of the sound hitting one before it hits the other is going to be really apparent in guitars. Yeah, and much um, and much like the, you know we talked about with bass, it's it'll be to taste too, kind of you know. Yeah, and that relationship you can kind of I don't know. Again, EQ on faders kind of like dictate you know what's going on in the frequency response. I think in in general, when people multi mic um, guitar caps, they they tend to try and align the capsules right. And in, yeah. in some of the mics, the capsule isn't all the way at the end. It might be back by an inch or back by mm -hmm. an inch and a half. Like a four twenty one, that capsule is like an inch and a half back from the end of the microphone. Hmm. So if you've got a four twenty one there and something else next to it, and, and you want them to be aligned, that something else is going to have to be backed up by a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what about amp sims? You run into these a lot. Just started touring with them with some campers. Ooh, how's it going? Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah, it's it's going well. It's going well. It's um it's all the benefits and ease of a DI and you know and a little and a more direct feedback free you know um, version of sort of the same thing. You know, it kind of it's it comes out the gate basically already how I would kind of process it. You know. Um, it's already like a, you know, the, the ones, the particular ones we're using are modeled after um, the artist's gear. And it's like some really nice gear, you know, it's like a really nice amp that's like, that was modeled through a nice microphone and preamp. And, and they sound great, honestly. And the convenience, you can't really like, you can't really beat it. I can see why people like, you know, wouldn't be into it or whatever and are skeptical, but um, I don't know. I've, I've found them to work pretty well technology nowadays is like especially in audio is like has is so far advanced that like the modeling does a pretty damn good job you know at the, at this point in time those like things impressively good yeah the kempers the fractals the high end shit like that where you're dropping some bucks is like it sounds pretty good i did i did a sh another show actually a few weeks ago where a guy had a fractal and it was like fucking sick it was like damn i i remember one of the first times i took out a fractal um we had amps on the tour already mm -hmm. and then we pulled out this fractal and we spent some time to kind of get it you know nice and dialed in and we did this one show where i had both inputs coming to front of house mm -hmm. of the amps versus the the fractal and uh i had the guy who produced the record i think standing next to me and on different songs i would take the fractal up or the next song might take the amp up and i'd ask him if he could figure out which one was which and like it it seemed like you know just throwing darts blindfolded he had no idea because it was that close yeah yeah i mean but yeah but you know one of the major perks though is that it's consistent every single day exactly. it's exactly the same it's like you put the mics in exactly the same place and like the humidity on the tubes is exactly the same it's exactly. so consistent and there's zero bleed none yeah, yeah so you can process the heck out of it dude really dumb stuff if you want to yeah it's it's super cool it's super cool you know i don't i don't have to worry about whatever crap amp hired amp is like showing you know whatever condition fender you know god knows how how like inconsistent those things right. are amongst like rental companies and stuff like that you know you're getting you, if, you're mean, hire, I, if you're I, hiring I remember, a fender amp you have no idea what's going to show up I, dude i remember <laughs> there's an artist that i that i that i toured with where i think we'd hire four 
Fender Deluxes for every gig because all four were going to sound different. different, yeah. So so we'd we'd try them all out, and then they'd go, "This is the one we're going to use," and then this is the one that's the backup. The the other two they can go back in the truck. Yeah, <laughs> and it's because they were all completely different. So much yeah. resources yeah. go into that, so, you know, like compared to yeah, crazy. I know. And, and you know the, the the other fortunate thing is that um, a lot of these things like you know Fractal, uh, their Axe Effects, and the Kempers and stuff, there are now pedal board versions of it. Yep. that are portable yep which means if you're flying to europe it. you just bring it with you or whatever <sighs> exactly drop it on the ground xlr's out it's like boom now you don't even need a di it's mm -hmm. sick so so one of the downsides to these things um is that very often when when i go into a new rehearsal with a new artist uh a guitar player might come in and go i've got all my tones dialed in right and it's because they sat with the record and they kind of like you know learned the songs or whatever it is and in their bedroom with their headphones built these quote unquote rad sounding tones. <laughs> yeah. And the moment I take that and I put it through a PA, it's just like, it's very obvious this was built in a bedroom because yeah. a lot of players tend to go way too hot on the gain. The gain settings are often really, really high and you know, we'll need to back that out. Uh, very often a little bit too scooped of a tone. And, you know, we had mentioned kind of very briefly before that like guitar is basically a mid-range instrument mm -hmm. so if you scoop out too much mid-range you start losing like the clarity and the notes and all that stuff so you know just be aware if you've got a, a musician coming up that's built these sounds uh prior to being you know in the mix of things that musician also might be building a sound that sounds huge and sounds great for them but can't actually slot into a mix because it's just too big yeah yeah so, you know, that so, is also a conversation to have. Right. I guess Go that's, ahead, that, yeah, that, that's one of the, the downfalls of it. Like you, you kind of need some like production rehearsal time to like dial that if you're going to, if you're going to tour it, you know, and, and get it sorted out. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that leads to like kind of the, the biggest question with guitars, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, you know, we want guitars to be present and, 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 you know, big sounding or whatever, but since they are such wide bandwidth signals, they just sit on top of everything, right? It, yeah. Guitars will mask, you know, vocals. It'll definitely mask keyboards. Half the time it masks bass if you don't treat it right. You can even end up masking snare drums, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's, what are some of your solutions, man? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, just to reiterate a little more, it's such a fine line because a lot of times the guitar is the melody of the song. It's like, it's super important but it can also very quickly and easily just step all over everything. So mixing guitars, we were saying this before we started the episode, like mixing it is, is a constant struggle of like, you know, uh, yeah, making them big and audible, you know, and not, and not killing everything else essentially. Sorry. I, that was going to be a lot more profound. I, I mean, like, I, no, no, no. Deflated halfway through. Anyway. Um, you got any tips? So, <laughs> I, I feel like the panning thing is like big, right? Because you're putting yeah. it in a specific place and that's going to make some room. I'm, I'm especially thinking about like masking keyboards and the other instruments like that, because I mean, that's, that's like a tough call, right? Like which one is more important in that moment, you know? So I think fader writing goes a lot into it a lot. Uh, because it's it's hard to make like a permanent decision. I, I want to hear your guys' takes on that, right? I agree. Yeah, 100%. like especially yeah. like the 
the tones of keyboards and guitars are changing every song. So like you can't really yeah. make a permanent decision that's gonna like work for every every situation. I mean, yeah, you you got scenes you're gonna save and like save your you could snapshot all your EQ settings and all that, but like I mean, if a lot of times you're working with like a new band or or it's just a one off thing, like you know, how do you make that decision? You know, that that's an interesting one, right? Because if if I jump into a rehearsal with an artist that's got, I don't know, let's, let's say four albums, right? Tones, styles, all that stuff. It changes over the years, right? So old albums might be kind of big rock and roll. New albums might be like, you know, the guitar's really small in it and it's like a bunch of electronic sounds mm -hmm. or something like that, right? So you can't really just take one guitar tone and have it fit all of those things. Uh, it's it's kind of the it's kind of the prime candidate for like riding the whole show, you know. Right. Well, honestly, that's kind of the prime candidate for something like a Kemper or an Axe Effects, right? Because you can emulate a completely different amp for one song versus another, right? Yeah, totally. But let, let's assume we don't have that as an option, Brendan. I mean, what you just said is exactly what you have to do. You got to ride it the whole time, right? Yeah. So a long time ago, someone said something that was like quite profound to me, and it was basically the idea of mixing in priority order, right? And that is like, okay, what is the most important stuff in this song? And if I mix in the order of most important to least important, the available sonic space that is left is appropriate to how important something is. Meaning if the first thing you put in is your vocal, you can take up all the sonic space in the world because it's the most important thing, you know what I mean? Then well, the slightly less important thing, then the slightly yeah. less important thing, you know? Totally, totally. And I think guitars totally fit into that. So if you're in a genre where guitars are super important, like, you know, a metal band or, you know, a big rock and roll band, you put them in pretty early into the mix where there's still a good amount of free space. And then you kind of get your keys in after that or whatever it is. And if there's less available space, it's kind of okay because you've decided that that thing is less important than the thing, you know, you put in before it. Yeah, yeah. But then you get into the problem that Brendan kind of laid out of like, maybe this song, guitars are more important. This other song, keys are more important, mm -hmm. you know? And that's where you get into this mayhem of automation. <laughs> right, right, yeah. That's the rabbit hole, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like con something that I feel like also, you know, going back to the audio technology thing is, is improving a lot too, you know? Uh, you know, snapshots and all the like really cool new things that you can do with those on like later desks and stuff like that stuff that you worked on Ryan you know it's yeah. uh it's getting crazy and and super cool and allowing you allowing us to kind of like recreate something that sounds like a record you know in these environments so exciting to see you know specifically with guitars um I think one thing that doesn't work that well that I guess a lot of people do is just push up the fader when you want it to become a lead mm. instrument right and then just pull down the fader when you want it to not. Uh, and are you an EQ band booster? Is that where you're getting with this? Well, I was I wasn't going to dive into that because that's oh, like okay. a little bit too complicated for this, right? But like, if you think about a record, the tone for a solo is always very different than the tone for rhythm, right? It's like very mid range forward and and it cuts. And then when you go back to rhythm, you got like a little bit more of a scooped sound, yeah. right? And if you get into a workflow where you can kind of, you know, do that with, let's say, two mics on a guitar, where one mic is, you know, a little more scooped, the other one's a little more mid-range, then you can actually change the tone by pushing up that mid-range fader or pulling down that mid-range fader. 
Um, and that kind of allows you to get away with some more interesting tricks, like where when the guitar just needs to be kind of wide and big or whatever and fill out space, you can pull down those mid-range sounding microphones. And now it's like a little bit more scooped. Other stuff can sit there or whatever. And, and it, you know, it works. But then when you've got this guitar solo and that guitar needs to be very forward and present, you take that mid-range fader and push it up. And you're not just turning up the guitar, but you're also changing the tonality of it and making it very mid-forward. A similar... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. A similar totally. thing, like if you're single micing the guitar and you've got it panned and you're doubling it up and delaying one side, that that kind of trick. Um, what I found myself doing is like on the solos, if I can make it mono and and just one <laughs> input at that moment, I go for that because it it just gives it that like it's the same sound, but it's coming out of both speakers rather than like the delayed signal at that moment, and it just is more it's more yeah. intense, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing's competing with it at that moment. You know, like usually vocals aren't competing over the solo, that kind of thing. Yeah. W one, one tough thing I have with guitars is that I always want them to be kind of present, right? I want a good amount of top end in them, but then it's mm -hmm. so easy to get into this world of harshness. You know, we, we talked yeah. about this a bunch of times. So a thing I find tends to work for me is basically to find the harsh tone in an amp right? Every amp and guitar combo seems to have like a couple frequencies that just really stand out as like the gnarly harsh frequencies. Yeah. You know, so you can, you can, you can find it and, you know, tell your band you're going to do this because this is annoying as shit when you do this, but make a super, super narrow band of EQ, boost it a bunch and sweep it until you find that spot where it basically whistles at you. Yeah. You know, it kind of gets like beyond pain, like very yeah. whistly painful. And then just cut that out. And when you cut that out, it's going to seem really dark for a second, but, you know, just kind of recalibrate your ears to like context. Um, and I bet you, once you start taking out a few or one or maybe more of these like super narrow notches, you can then take the entire top end of the guitar and bump it up. And it's not going to be harsh anymore. It's just mm -hmm. going to be like a little bit more present. Gotcha. So give that a shot. I, I find that that works really well for me. If I've got a guitar amp that I want it to be more present, but like every time I push it up, it's just too harsh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's yeah, you're gonna there's gonna be somewhere between one k and five k that you're gonna pull out on like <laughs> almost every guitar. I feel like yeah. you know, like I don't know. And 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 the other thing is, I don't actually realistically believe that there's that much useful information past five k. Oh, totally, absolutely. All low pass my guitars do. Absolutely, absolutely. Unless uh, unless it's like a very sparse mix, you know. Right. I mean. Yeah, that it, kind of air and the open space. Yeah, sometimes that's nice to have, but yeah, a lot of times you don't really need much, much above that. Yeah, I mean, guitars are a tough one. Guitars they really are. are. They really, they really are. They and it's so context specific, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, hopefully this gives some insight. I got some insight from Ooh, you. Interesting. What's yeah. what's the new bit you learned this time? From you. Oh, I don't know. Period. From this just episode. like over the. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Well, I guess just over the course of this whole series, we've kind of been leaning into the the, the multiple fade, like fader as EQ mm -hmm. thing. I, I just mm. I'm 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 getting into that a lot more, kind of simultaneously, like as we're going through this. So, um, I'm, you know. Well, let's also be honest. Like the reason I can get away with doing that is because I got a console right. that can do that many inputs, right? Not everybody has the ability to just like 
double up, triple up microphones or even just yeah, double patch inputs. You got, a, but, you got enough for two guitar mics. Come on. Yeah. One would hope so. But you know, one would hope uh, so. Maybe I, not. I think there's like real value in being able to have such quick access to things that effectively function as EQ. Mm-hmm. Right? Because getting in and like, you know, tweaking EQs in the middle of a song, it's like kind of hard to yeah. do. Yeah. And, and it, take, it just takes time to get back to where it was before that. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing it on faders, you know, you, you kind of change the relationship and then you just change it right back to where it felt right before. And it's, yeah. it's quick and easy. So that's the thing that really helps me out. Yeah. Yeah. You're not looking down through anything, paging through menus, you know, it's just like right grabbing there. The, kind of grabbing the wrong exactly. knob on a yeah. analog desk. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Wrong band. Oh, oh God. Oh yeah. man. I've, I've definitely done that. Or, or, yeah. or, or twisting knobs and thinking you're turning eq but then realize the eq is actually not on that's that's always yeah. fun. i've done <laughs> the that too. the button's not down yeah. <laughs> definitely done that one too uh anyways i think that's a that's a pretty pretty solid dive into you know guitars and and some options you have there for yeah you know, tweaking anything else i think it would get people in trouble you know i think we already yeah. get people in trouble with the dumb shit we that's say. that's true that's true so if you get fired blame ryan <laughs> Fine with me. Fine with me. Cool. But, you know, if you do have any, you know, specific questions, you know, email them over or, or you know, hit us on the yep. Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. You got the, the, the links. I got the and, email. And the email it's uh, feedback at livesoundbootcamp.com. And like Ryan said, hit us up on our Facebook group. And uh, you can find all the episodes on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow, subscribe. I forgot to say that last time. And uh, share it with your friends. People definitely didn't follow or subscribe to us because you forgot to say that. That's your fault. I'm fired. <laughs> it's on you, bud. Yeah. Nah, it's all right. We're all fired someday. Blame Ryan. Blame me. Blame me. It's like, it's like a Prince gig. Everyone gets fired eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Savage. All right. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks again to our sponsor, Rational Acoustics. Visit www.rationalacoustics.com for information on sales, training, and all things system measurement.